Love you, Marco. Uh, more impressions, please. <laughs> I like your stuff. It's much more spicy and interesting. Where the hell did that come from? Oh, I love you, Marco. Oh, my God. You're a great interviewer, great conversationalist. I just never forgot you. <laughs> Babble Bullshit and Beyond is a new podcast hosted by me, Marco Kiris. A man coming out of the shadows after a long decade working with Nicolas Cage, or as I like to call it, my cage wage world. Just some fluff and then some stuff on the party that unites us through pop and all things Hollywood. On today's show, we have first assistant director and line producer Daniel Carey, a 30-year veteran in the biz. We caught up with him at his home in Palm Springs, California. Today's show, we have Daniel Carey, former or and sometimes current, but pretty much a former first assistant director for well over 30 years in the business, uh, living and breathing in L.A. if you can do it and hasn't died from the smog or the stress and looks amazing even via Skype. Daniel, thanks for coming on the show. How's that for an intro? Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, listen, Dan, most people after 30 years look like they're dying in this business. Oh, Pretty much look like this right now. <laughs> yeah, it's the feeling because remember it's morning where you are, so it's afternoon for us. We've had our coffee, we've eaten. It's been breakfast, it's been lunch. You're just you know waking up to the sunshine. So in in your defense, if you've got that hoarseness going on, that's uh, going to disappear after lunch. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, Mr. AD, now, are you a former AD, Daniel, or are you just shut down because of the situation globally? No, no. I stopped uh, first thing probably four or five years ago. Oh, that long ago. Well, because I've been mostly line producing for the last uh, seven years. Wow. That seems to be, Daniel, being in the business as short as the time of life was, seems to be the natural progression from uh, first AD. Right. Uh, being a first, uh, it takes a very long time yeah. to uh, becoming uh, a seasoned first AD. I mean, uh, a lot of people could just pick up a walkie, and, and, and most people don't know what a first AD is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was speaking to people uh, uh, outside the business, and they say, "Well, what do you do?" Yeah, and yeah. I spoke to other first ADs. Is how how do you explain this to a bank, a loan, or whatever? Is like, what do you do? And and the best response is, "I'm a filmmaker." Yeah, <laughs> the short version of it. Because at first, is is it takes a a, a very long time to uh, get up to par. I was trained to you have to have a lot of patience it's not for everybody oh yeah it's a masochistic uh position i mean nobody wants to be a first AD or line producer it's crazy but what i'm getting at is as a first uh once you've got all this experience Mm -hmm. yes the natural next step would be either you could direct or you could produce Mm -hmm. it's up to you one is creative the other one is more administration wise but um it's uh you can do both because you, i started as a pa like everybody i've learned from the bottom yeah and my school was pretty much on set yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, a busboy in a restaurant moving is moving all the way up to either owning, owning the, the restaurant yeah, yeah or being exactly. the general manager and and a pa as we both know is kind of like the uh the bottom end of uh of a job it's it's the guy who gets slapped out for anything and everything just because you're there 
Yeah, yeah. I'm the first one to get hired and the first one to get fired. Yeah, and the first one on set and the last one on set. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to be. Yeah, yeah. That's insane that you actually did that. So I'm looking at this stuff, Daniel. 65 film projects, four television series, 17 shows as a line producer, 19 music videos. Like this is a variety of stuff. So your head really has to spin on different levels, not only by putting on the, the different caps, but honing in onto the production side of life and what the project is all about. Because a video is very different from shooting a commercial, from shooting a TV series, which is super fast paced, to shooting a, a short film or a feature film or low budget or big budget. How do you become that seasoned and do that much? I know it's 30 years plus. Yeah, they're very different. I mean, uh, all these different, uh, there's a lot of credits, which I, I haven't, you don't put an IMDB and so on, but like you say, commercials, um, video is commercial. I did uh, commercials before with, uh, Mike lemonade, Canadian product. Mm. And you shoot a bottle of Mike, you know? Yeah. You yeah. just shoot a bottle <laughs> <laughs> on a sound stage and 17 different angles of ego <sighs> and advertisers. Yeah. Mm. And, and mostly commercials are, uh, or a, a cinematographer, or a DP kind of world, because it's all about the look. Mm -hmm. It's got to be sexy. It's got to be appealing. And, and, and there's some directors in there as well that are very creative. And then you have your selection. Some of them are for children. Some of them are for cars. Hmm. Some of them are just for um, McDonald's that uh, with kids. So mm -hmm. they have a specific DP or uh, director as well that they would write those particular projects and so on. But as uh, yeah, as an AD, commercials are a little easier because mm. they're more relaxed. Mm. Um, there is a timeline, of course. Cool. Uh, unlike a feature, which you have to shoot minimum, you, an average is between four to six pages a day now. Well, now with HD, uh, you have a little more uh, page count mm. on a script of 102 really? uh, pages. So it's about... Five, well, yeah, average the number. Wow. But then you have a timeline of 12 hours and then all the rules and regulations apply. And then you have, you know, anywhere from 55 to 65, 75 people on the set, plus about 30 actors. And, and then background and background, depending on maybe on the feature, you may have 500 or 200 for the whole show and that sort of thing and the stunts and, and, and all that. So there's, there's a lot of elements that comes to play. So it takes a long time to get used to that. I mean, mm -hmm. you could go to school and film school. It takes a, it takes a lot of patience. <laughs> well, Daniel, I've spoken to friends of mine who've gone to USC film school and UCLA film school, and this is what they don't teach you. Um, in film school is what you're telling us. First of all, there's a lot of relations between people and they, they kind of like walk you through technical sides of it. But the relationship that a first AD has to have and control the entire set, including, I'm going to say, the director and cinematographer, um, having been on enough film sets myself, I always find like the first to go to person I have to go to is the first AD. He kind of manages the very first shot and kind of like because you have to arrange all of it from the scenery to the angles to the uh, crew that's needed for that particular shot, the background people. 
your personal crew of, of other ADs and PAs and make sure that you're the ringleader and everybody kind of uh, abides by the rules of the film set and your rules, understanding that you're in charge. And it becomes a no-nonsense workplace. And you, it's it really rides on you. And I've seen that on, on every show that I've worked on, no matter what the size of the production is, from a $3 million budget that I've worked on to a $130 million budget, I've noticed the first AD is the key element to keeping it all together, despite the explosions, the injuries on set, the people who get sick on set, potential crackhead actors on set, all the mishaps who come and go and who may be late or not there. And you have to like within a second, change it and make it work. It takes, it, again, it, it takes experience and years. Um, like you said, going to film school, I remember like six, seven years ago, a very dear friend of mine, a music uh, teacher, uh, flew me to the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to give a session, a two-day session about the protocol of filmmaking. Hmm. And that was really interesting. I really got into that. Yeah. Uh, the kids out there were just like a sponge because I was trying to educate them in a way of, it's fine. You could, you could go to film school and I mean, where else are you going to go? Yeah. And, 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 but once you're out in the real world, you deal with a real person with mm-hmm. real emotion. It's for an example, a manufacturer production that makes a bar of soap. Mm-hmm. Well, the bar of soap doesn't talk back to you. Yeah. You just, <laughs> you know, put that back in there. Unless you're in the shower of a gym and it may, right. it may have a conversation with you from the wrong side of the tracks. Uh, 12 hour of work on a film shoot. It's, it's like three days of work on a normal nine to five. I mean, it just pounds you. You know, it's really funny. I got to stop here one second. It's exactly what I tell my tech kids and what I tell civilians because we didn't work in a civilian type of lifestyle. I tell them if you work 12 hours a day, so if you do 10 years in the film business, it's like 30 years sitting in an office as a secretary. It, it really is equivalent for you to do 30 years in the business is like doing 90 years as a secretary. So I agree with you. I'm so glad you said that. I felt that in my position, let alone your position, the actual ringleader. Yeah, because it's, it's, uh, it's 12 hours of shooting. I'm always there an hour before. Of course. Period. And I'm always an hour after. And the dailies? Then you got to drive home. And then, so uh, it's a good 16 to 17 hour day when it's all done. Plus, once you get home, you constantly have phone calls, mm-hmm. constantly for the following days. The helicopter is going to show up. Is this there? The cars are here. The dogs are here. The kids are coming in. Other people coming in from the airport. Who's picking up who? Blah, blah, blah. Is the camera locations? All of the uh, trucks have to move. So it, it, there's a lot of planning ahead. Mm-hmm. And you have to because you're just going to die. Yeah. It's amazing that you pull that together. Uh, yeah, as a first is, um, uh, actually I, I found this out that the life expectancy of a first AD is 52 years old. I no. know. How did you hear that? A long time ago. I heard really? that. Well, yeah. you've, you've, uh, you've, ex- you've exceeded it and you're looking good oh. doing it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, uh, I don't good. know. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it's, I want to I want to add a little bit to that story. Um, just last year, there was a, a first AD that I'd worked with on a, on a huge Jerry Bruckheimer film. I'm not going to mention his name because mm. the director, who's an Academy Award director and cinematographer, they're all there in this restaurant uh, that I was a part of for a while. And they come in and we had discussions. They're like, what, what are you doing now, Mark, that you're out of the thing? I said, I couldn't wait to get out of the business. <laughs> I said, I bought my way out of the business. And uh, they said, you're kidding. I said, no, so I kind of like retired because of it. And, and I said, how are you guys doing? They're like, if we could figure out how to get out of the business and retire, <laughs> we would do it tomorrow morning. And this is a director, a DP, uh, a first AD, a real, like these are big names. I couldn't believe that they actually said that to me. And they, we were all the same age, you know, it's like late 50s, early right. 60s kind of thing. And they said, if we could figure out how to invest to get out of the business, we'd walk away tomorrow. It's so exhausting. They were doing three months of a winter shoot in Toronto and they were scouting out. So they stopped in and have a meal and wow. uh, like working nights in the winter here. And I thought, wow, that reminds me of my first film I had done. And it's, you know, and there they are, you know, like 60 years old and overweight and exhausted already. Upon arrival, they were exhausted. Your weekends are gone. Forget it. Mm -hmm. When you shoot uh, from time to time, you would do a six day week. Uh, five days, six days a week and so on, your body just shuts down. Mm -hmm. After, you on your day off, uh, I remember uh, in Turkey, uh, I was there for three months for 12 oh. weeks of shooting. Wow. And it's really complex working overseas with different language and different culture. And, and, and uh, to me, it's very challenging, which is really, it's kind of fun in the, Mm -hmm. masochistic way yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what that's about it because i remember uh, i was first thing then and and then i was with the uh, line producer i work with we uh after six weeks of shooting or something like this you basically we all go to the hotel and then you come back to set it's a non-stop 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 and then uh, when you come home, you basically fall asleep in the minibus. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> going back to what you were saying, the, you don't read the newspaper. Mm -hmm. You don't watch television for the news. Uh, you don't know what's going on in the world. It's just so tight yeah. and confined with all these people that you're with. And it's like commanding an army. Mm -hmm. and, and I, my game face on that was I had to be some general in, in charge, mm -hmm. uh, not being a hole, but I was very firm and, uh, you have no choice. I, I can't point fingers. I have to make it happen. Yes. I have to think of something. Generator blows up. I mean, things happen. I have to come up with a backup plan right away. The creative part of this, it's, uh, for me personally, is the crazier it gets, the better I got. Wow. And it, it was crazy because uh, so many instances that they're beyond the producer's control or um, uh, actor or DP or director's control that once you, do, you deal with, for example, you, you're shutting down six blocks mm -hmm. in downtown LA. Then you have eight officers and you give them all your walkies and so on. And then you go to the protocol and it is so big to organize and you got to do it quick. Yeah. And then people can't touch that. Mm -hmm. So you're alone there. Yeah. It's kind of silent, but I kind of like it because I will just turn around <laughs> and say to whomever, you want to do this? Yeah. You want, <laughs> yeah. You feel free. 
I'll go ahead. I'll yeah. just sit here and you tell me where you want me to go. <laughs> yeah, I remember Daniel shooting often on several films uh, on, on my Cage Wage uh, film sets with the first ADs down in downtown LA. I mean, to block off six blocks or eight blocks for a car scene or a chase, some other kind of running scene and have the hundreds of extras. I would always look at the AD. I have to say, I had so much respect for all of them. First AD, second, second, second AD, thirds. I knew that these guys were a slave to what they were doing and you were that person. We'd never worked together though, because uh, we knew each other socially prior. But just to, to watch them do it, if you disrespect them, then you're disrespecting the film set, in my opinion. And um, so, oh, yeah, you, you, you have you won't to. Last. Yeah, 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 yeah. Won't last. And in addition, that person would be the asshole. So, whatever the first AD is, because you're in that position, they assume that you understand all of it and you're in control wow. of the cops, of the safety, of the stunts, of the coordination, of the precision drivers, of everybody's safety and health and welfare. And if you're not respecting that because you think the first AD is some kind of a hotshot, which he's not, but he really does, he is the ringleader, then that person should not be on that film set. Yeah, I don't think there's room for that. Because mm -hmm. like I said, going back to closing my story, such a long days and it beats you up. Going back to finish up that, that, that turkey uh, yes. uh, situation, we were on the bus leaving in the middle of the week to go to shoot and I was outside the front bus and then all the crew members start getting out of the hotel getting on the bus first thing in the morning it's like 6 30 or something like that I just stood there first person tries to come on the bus I asked him I said what day is it today <laughs> and then not one person and I it was about 25 people on this bus oh my and God. I had a witness in front of me which the line producer we looked at each other. I said, uh, see, next one. Even the executive producer, I asked him, <laughs> hey, what day is it today? Uh, Monday? Get your ass on the bus. <laughs> Not one of them. You, you, can't, you can't remember what day it is. It really takes a toll on you. And at the end of the week, well, what are you going to do? Try to do laundry, try to do wherever you are, and, and you're so beat up. Yeah. So it, it's definitely not a lifestyle for, for everybody. It really isn't. I, I agree. And I mean, I've, I've heard those stories, uh, Daniel, from actual ADs. Uh, but, you know, you get trapped into it. And, and if you can't advance to being a line producer, which is still difficult, but it's not the same shit show. It's a, it's, it's, you're on the administrative. It's a different drive. pressure. Yes. It's a different pressure because as a line producer, although as a first, you're, you physically have to be confronted by all these different elements that are thrown at you and you just shut your mouth and you just make it happen. A line producer does the same kind of thing, but on a, a higher level of financial level, most good line producers our first AD, or they have some kind of, of scheduling experience that, that they can refer to. A lot of people ask me to uh, I break down scripts. So I already knew as a first how a movie is supposed to be shot. If, it, mm -hmm. if it's in the water, if it's at night, turnaround and kids and so on and so on and so on. I mean, so as a line producer, you would know this already. So mm -hmm. you're already a step ahead. So when you do a budget, you would read the script quickly. Mm -hmm. And from there, you have a laid out some kind of a plan, a schedule and money, how many weeks, how many people, 
here's what it's going to cost. Hmm. There's many revisions and, and depending on the actor's availability and, and locations and all this to bring a hundred people every day together and make it work on time. It's quite an accomplishment. It is. I actually don't know how you guys do it. I mean, first AD line producers, I've, I've seen them all. It's, it's, you know, shy pulling your hair out. It's so much work and there's so much responsibility, especially, you know, a bigger budget one or a war film or in locations like in Turkey or in Peru where you were at because the rules are different. The crews, you have a lot of local crew. You got to deal with them and their translators in their language. And you're still trying to do your thing, but now you can't communicate in these foreign languages. In Turkey, I had another first assistant director, but he was from Turkey and South America with the same thing. Uh, that they could do uh, every morning I have a safety meeting and, and the whole entire crew. And then I would lay down a plan. Here's what's going to happen today. By 10 o'clock, we do this. By 12, we do this. By There's a goal. There's a plan. And then mm-hmm. he would translate and also take care of uh, either the Turkish second unit crew or stunt or whatever that might be. Then we would just uh, go off and then um, work the day. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's another element that um, you have to understand that working outside of Los Angeles here in California, you're spoiled. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, the camera lens is broken. Boom. You're going to get one within an hour. I mean, every, yeah. it's, uh, it's quite challenging, <laughs> to mm-hmm. say the least. Yeah. So I, I concur 100% with everything you're saying, Daniel. Like working in L.A., if you're going to do the business, it's the best place to be. Luckily, you work mainly in L.A. for the most part. Right. Comparatively, it's a spoiled bunch uh, because, like you said, if a camera lens breaks, if a car isn't working, you know, 40 seconds later, there's a new car. Everything just kind of like moves and uh, because you have the accessibility of everything around you. I worked in Greece, which is similar to being in mm. Turkey. And when we did that 20 years ago on Corrales Mantelet, we had a British first AD and we also had a Greek one, just like you did as a translator. So they would tell the extras who were all in Greek and the stunt people to translate everything to the first AD, what you would do. And and then that first AD was in Greek would just, the exact same thing was just uh, translated. But when a camera lens broke and a, and a car didn't work, it held back production for hours, if not reshoot something another day <laughs> would that be the same case that, that you experienced oh on a massive scale and this is why <laughs> on uh, as a rule of thumb um you always schedule your locations first because who knows depending well depending on where you are i mean in la of course we have you basically die for the last two weeks into a soundstage or indoors mm-hmm. but you want to keep a cover set in your schedule that if mm-hmm. anything happens at the beginning, that um, uh, something happened on one exterior location, you can't do it uh, anymore because something broke. Then you would have something in your back pocket that says, okay, fine. I have this actor over here. I have this actor over there. Let's pop sound. Let's bring him in the car or in a van or something closure. Then let's do all these wild lines that needs to be recorded in the mm-hmm. film. So I always had something that, I can do, or I would have a car with me that I bring Mm -hmm. at all time that if it starts raining outside and you're shooting exterior day and you're like, ah, God, what do we do? Well, guess what? I have a car here. 
we'll put a top on it, get these two guys in the car, you do a four minutes process, and then you shoot this, this dialogue with two people. Uh, there's many different ways of doing so, but you juggle and then it, <laughs> it somehow works. Yeah, that's amazing. Like almost word for word of what you're saying, I hear and listen to ADs that I worked with with the same type of thing called cover sets. I always looked at the cover sets because they were vastly different from where we were shooting. So if we're like in Hawaii and you get these tropical storms and there's no storm in the scene and we were and they're like exactly what you said. Put a big tent over the car, shoot a dialogue scene between two actors or four actors or do wild lines, which is basically uh, dialogue or sounds from nature, whatever you need for later on. You fill the day up with all those minor things. That's exactly what you said. And I noticed that, you know, being the key guy for Nick Cage, I was always looking at that because I thought, oh, my God, that means I'm going to stand in and change my wardrobe for this cover set because we may have storms later on. So I was very in tune to their headspace. I was always a part of the first AD team, Daniel, like yourself. I Because you guys were the ringleaders, I knew that every shot was going to be on Nick. And I would be out there at 5.30 in the morning with my sides and my call sheet. I would look at those cover sets. I would look at the actual scenes and sets and how many days it may take us to shoot this particular war scene and what it would entail for everybody around. And I would see like three pages of a call sheet, uh, very familiar to you, I'm sure, with hundreds of people. And I'm like, how do you keep track of all this shit? And yet you guys know everybody's name because I would listen to everybody's name, day players, day stunt guys. And I would listen to the idiot. I'm thinking, how the fuck does she know all this shit? (laughs) Actually, uh, when you do films back to back to back to back, right? Um, was it two years ago? I did three of them within two weeks. And I'll never do this again. (laughs) Uh, with two weeks in between, I did three of them. Bam, 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 bam. And what happened is you have a crew. Well, actually, you have you have about 25 to 30 average actors. Mm-hmm. And then those are actors' personal name. So when you talk to them, uh, for me, it, it was easier to call them by their character's name. Mm-hmm. Because on the call sheets, we have these numbers. And when I break down the schedule, I put their character's name in it. So it's a little easier because if you think about it, you have a crew of 55, 65, doesn't matter. Now, you got to learn all these crews' names. Billy, Bob, Pete, you know, Bridget, and then Elizabeth and so on. Now, this is for one film for four weeks of shooting, and then you have to memorize all of the characters' Mm names plus Mm -hmm. their their, uh, personal name. Now, when this movie is over, and then you go into post-production or you wrap it up. Then you start another movie. Now there's a whole new cast and a whole new, there's another hundred people's name that you have to remember. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, yes, when it was back to back like that, I mistakenly called people. And it became a joke that I purposely call people <laughs> You know, uh, I remember there was a lady and I do it with 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 not not being arrogant or by no being malicious or whatnot. And I was calling a girl 
Chablis and Chardonnay and her name, yeah. her name was Tiani or something like that. And, uh, because it, it was just too much after a while. Yes, I will slip up, but I always have a coffee with me too. Yeah. Okay. What film am I doing here now? Um, yeah. <laughs> It's like a comedian who's on the road. They're like, what, what city am I shooting in now? Where am I? Oh, it's Toledo. I forgot. I forgot. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It's not Teenick. It's the other T word. It's Toledo. So, and, and I, you know, it does happen for people like you who are going back to back, Daniel. I mean, there's, it would be impossible to memorize everybody's name, you know, and yet you still try to pull it all off. I mean, you know, to, to do that. I don't know how you people do it. I read those call sheets. And I'm like, and I know that I'm interacting with people and I don't remember more than 10 to 20% of their names. That's why people back in the day, they used to, you know, the term of endearment, hey baby, or hi buddy, yeah. and hi, you know, hey sweetie, and that kind of stuff. Cause you just, yeah, <laughs> you it's impossible. I did it all the time too. Big burly guy. Hey honey, how are you? Yeah. Hey, uh, you got water in my trailer? And he's like, what's my name again? Oh, it's a baby cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like 16 teamsters i'm like well which one's assigned to this trailer fuck they all look the same right you can't tell so it's yeah i don't know how you guys do it well we have i i it takes a long time to get, build yourself a team but what happens when your teams aren't always available daniel because people are on different gigs all the oh, time yeah, so you've that's, got that's a- the thing i mean i'm very careful on what project i take when I go for a job or a job is offered to me, I would immediately call my team and see if they're available. Because I've done this before without my team, and mm-hmm. I tell you, it's rough. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I succeeded. I made it work. Actually, a couple of years ago, a film called me because they were in trouble. A friend of mine asked me to, to, to help him out, and, and I did. I just banged. And here's this line producer dude, you know, bossing around people, which I had no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. The transportation, makeup, stunts, the DP, the director. I don't know any of them. I have no time. I just did it. it it's, it's more, it's challenging because, you know, you can, <laughs> your head's on the chopping block, my friend. And yeah. there's uh, no one's got your back, you know. Yeah, you're like the new kid on the block, even though you're seasoned, you just kind of show up on a film set. They've already got that rhythm going. And now you've got to like, you know, untangle some things that are not working. Right. And then, but I'm, I'm more of a hands on, uh, same as the first AD. The one thing I like about uh, first was it became more creative for me. And I really liked it because uh, most director and DPs uh, are my best friends still today. Mm-hmm. because he really respected what I've learned. First 10 years of first AD was rough. First 10 years, rough, not dead, but rough. Well, it was a different <laughs> era back yeah. then that we were shooting on 35. And that's, yes, yes, yes. That's, that was the era I was in the business. That's a whole new way of filming. I mean, the protocol and people, how they interact with each other is totally different from right now. But, but that's another subject. But what I really liked as a first was I was really hands-on and I liked mm-hmm. it because I looked through the lens and then mm-hmm. you pay attention to the lighting, you pay mm-hmm. attention to the actors, what they do. I'm constantly looking for shadows when you do rehearsals or whatnot. If, mm-hmm. if it buzz, well, back then we used to call them buzzing. 
on the 35 you could see and now i'm uh, i was always 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 beside the first uh the first ac and second ac uh and they, they would just look at me and shake their head like no this is not good but the be- the beginning of the scene is good the ending is bad so then i would ask and also the script supervisor i would say okay please make a note for the editor the beginning is good the ending is bad yeah we already have the ending we already shot this is our third take. The first take mm-hmm. was not so good, but the ending was good. So we could intercut those two together and you have a perfect long take. Mm-hmm. So you always have to think as an, an editor as well, which I loved it because when I'm watching performances and where the camera angle is, it's like, okay, where did we came from? Mm-hmm. Where are we going with this? And where are we right now? And it's, it's I, I, I really was hands-on into the colors of it and what we shot yesterday if one actor was looking camera right camera left and now we're doing some other shots i already know that i I, for some reason visually i'm very good at that visually that's why i'm good at at, at, uh, scheduling it's a puzzle Mm -hmm. and that to me is, is, I like it. I, I, it's very creative on how you put all these elements together. And I constantly ask people, uh, all these different departments to mm-hmm. what their wish list is. What, what, where would you want to be? What, uh, in our department, the first week of shooting, guess what? We're going to have to be in this big set. Will that be ready? Or you tell me if I can, we'll flip up this set which set will take you longer to build, which I will incorporate this in my schedule. Wow. And then I would do this with the stunts as well. How much you need two weeks of martial mm-hmm. arts or you need uh, 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 rehearsals and so on. Then I will flip some days to liberate an actor that he could be free that day to go with uh, a stuntman or, or, or mm-hmm. do any other task that he needs to be with while, while we're shooting. So all these elements are, are, are really fun to, you see instant results, basically. Yeah. And huh. when a lot of times I would say to the DP, no, wait, 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 wait. The DP would say, hey, we just finished it and, and we're good. Yeah, we're good to move. I said, well, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I would go back and see, let's just see this again. Because at the corner of my eye, I, I saw something. Like someone crossed the window mm-hmm. in the back and we're shooting in the living room. And then he didn't see it because he's, he's just looking for the light. I mean, he's focused on what he's doing. Yeah. But there's so many things that happen or mm-hmm. a bird flew through the frame. Who knows? And I caught that and I said, wait, 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 time out, time out. Sound is good. Picture is good. So I would go back to the script supervisor and then we would rewind if we have a playback. And yeah, fair enough. There it was. So. Yeah. When you can be that that involved creative wise, mm-hmm. sound or I would see, I would hear a train, I would hear an airplane, and I know everybody's getting ready. Your your sixth sense just kicks in. That is so funny you're saying that, and I'm getting on hold you because I was on so many film sets, and the first AD would say, "Stop, cut! I hear a plane," and and I'm standing there in the, like <laughs> I can't fucking hear it. And I said, what, what are they, watching TV somewhere? And sure enough, three seconds later, a plane is coming by. And I just, I cock an eye over to the AD and I thought, how did he know? Did somebody tell him? I swear to you, Daniel, what you just said, I had caught often, but I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
I don't get it. Yeah. That's funny. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. No, 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 Because no. it's just, you, you, you remind me of what it was like. And these guys who really controlled the set had to really be on it. They're like, yeah, we shot that other thing. Well, you know, tomorrow we can just do the other side of this and we're out the door. And, it, and I would listen to them because I was always there because it always involved Nick. I would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's a great idea that we are out of this location. We're on to the next one. Boy, that was quick thinking. And it's what the AD says to get to that point. And, you know, you coordinate with the director and cinematographer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And transportation and grips and electrics yeah, and the amount right. of equipment that's used for that tiny pickup shot. It's amazing. But it all comes from you. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a collaboration of uh, the DP uh, DP and, and uh, the director in the first. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, those three people... Um, uh, you have to have chemistry mm-hmm. and um, you just pick it up. I, I've worked with some really, really talented people. It's really refreshing when, when, when you work with people like that. Yeah. And then you have now some. Yeah. <laughs> well, today's today is a completely different world than you. I mean, I'm glad I'm not in it now and you're basically, you're done now kind of thing for the most part. Yeah. Well, actually being a first now, uh, my back can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And my, it's because like I said, I was very involved. I never, I never, I never sit down as a first. Yeah. I mean, it, never. And I've never used a bullhorn. Oh, I never screamed. Oh, back in the nineties, I think early nineties. Yeah. I remember working with some first aid when, before I became a first, I had so many screaming first aid. Mm-hmm. And that was a thing back then. I, I don't know if they still do it today, but, just the power went to their head and, and, or maybe the pressure's too much. Yes. And, and, and then you basically tell the crew, uh, I'm out of control. I can't take it and scream and just treat people like shit. Yeah. I've never done that. Good for you. I have that because I was, I was trained in that way. Mm-hmm. I just suck it up. And then, uh, you gain more respect and you get things done much quicker mm-hmm. to, uh, bite the bullet and just say, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then you go home and, uh, I don't know, you just start pounding the wall yeah. and you just, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got verbally abused on a lot of film sets as a stand in. Oh, sure. oh my God. Even when I did background work and then stand, it was like, yeah. The bullhorn was in my ear, and uh, oh. it just it shattered my body. It was like it was like um, a, a, a jack jack saw going off in my ear all the time. It was like you know there was no there was no sympathy. There was nothing. It was just like screaming at you for nothing. Yeah, it made me crazy. Yeah, yeah. That was way back then. I think it's a different world today. Uh, well, today is different. I mean, we, we, we briefly talked about this last time we spoke because yeah. um, I was asking people, I said, what, what's happening with this? Is it me just getting old? Yes, I am getting uh-huh. old. <laughs> Something has changed. And I, I, I'm asking some veteran first AD and line producers and, or, or, or veterans in, in, in the business as a script supervisor or, you know, uh, transportation. And most of them were telling me, surprisingly enough, I said, do you know why? I said, people's attitude right now is such arrogance. It's because back then, this is because of 35 millimeter. I said, well, what do you mean? Well, back when it was just 35, before HD came out, it was uh, 16, Super 16, 35. And it, I don't know how to explain this. The, the, 
respect of the set was so much different mm. because when you have a mag of a thousand footer or a 400 footer mag 35 millimeter and then you have you don't want to change it yet because there's still you know a pretty good amount of, of footage that you can shoot but you only have it's like quick stick and quick action it's like let's not waste this piece of film mm-hmm. so you do rehearse you do take your marks and our department props first ac second ac they'll take their marks and they will get it right yeah so people are more alert and they're more into the time and the expense of 35 millimeter. And that really changes the crew's mentality mm-hmm. of, all right, I got to get my shit together. And okay, where, where is this? You know, and boom, and you concentrate, you're there. And then people respect each other much more than today. Today is more like uh, you just let it run. Yeah. HD, just let it run. I don't care if. The editor will just go nuts because he's going to have a massive amount of data. And, um, you know, you, you, you roll, you know, you, you call action. And then all of a sudden, the director oh, walks in front of the camera and does this. And you're rolling. Yeah. That will never happen on 35. Yeah. Never. Never. If you didn't get it together on 35 and you screwed up the take because your prop is is. You know, you forgot your bottle of water that's sitting there beside, or, or the size. Yeah. An actor's it's in his back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. Right now, it's like nobody cares. Yeah. But back then, you were pretty much screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it was a much more film, much more film oriented. It was like you were creating something that was a little more artistic for the cinema. That goes for every. Um, Everybody who worked on it in in, 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 uh, in every aspect of it, in every union too. Whereas I agree with you with today. I'm I'm glad I'm not in it, but I, I hear it's much more fast food, and it's a it's a delete. You know, press a button, delete it out. Fast food, instant gratification. Versus back then, you really had to, you know, step up your game and be on. Now you're making a movie. You know, and now it's like, from what I hear. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been on a film set in years, but. Uh, yeah, that's uh, so, you know, Daniel, at least you were in the heyday of that for over 30 years. Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. You know, it's a different world today and you did it and you're living comfortably now uh, with with your partner and uh, and, and she and, and yourself are doing well in a, in a lovely place in California. So it's uh, it's 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 a good place to be in. And you still have years to go in life. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's true, you know, so, okay. yeah, it's like, now it's time to coast a little bit, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. yeah, hang out by the uh, pool I mean, I, a little I, more, That you, you never had that chance, you lived in L.A. for a thousand years, you can't hang out by the pool, not one day. I didn't hang out, and I was staying in luxury hotels, what can I tell you? And uh, I was a, I was a diva, and I, I couldn't do it, because I never had the time, and I was just a stand-in. <laughs> I can't even imagine somebody like yourself. Oh, that's, you know, I mean, your job, let me tell you, uh, it's, uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, I remember I was a stand-in, well, stand-in PA, when I, yeah. 1987, 88, oh, or something like that. And I, I didn't know what. I was doing, I was just standing, I was a PA yeah. and the, 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 you know, my, my first PA gig Yeah. and, uh, in between shots, then I would just stand there and, but DP comes in, you know, with his yeah. light meter and so on. And then for me, I, I was kind of Ducking. messing around with him and he's looking at me. I'm like, Oh shit, what, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> 
it's like, and he goes like this in front of me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm doing the same thing to him. Yeah. Like, don't you know, touch I, me. I was such an idiot. <laughs> but how would you know? You know, I mean, I, I knew what I was doing. I was, I was on the ball with all of it. I was like, oh, I was, sure. you know, I was just you, like, you were, pro. you, uh, you were up there in all the A-list. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, 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 I was lucky enough to have been with an A-lister from the get go. And then I just kind of like continued that, that, uh, what became a career. But wow, Daniel, when I see this stuff and I see all the films and TV things and videos and stuff, I actually kind of wanted, you know, maybe we'll work together in the future for a fun project. You know, I don't know. You never know because things have gone full circle and I've known you for a long time and I didn't realize you would work that much. And I, I knew you were always working, but I didn't realize that it's, damn it, you've been back to back for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. A lot of work. That's why it's time to like, uh, you know, the world has changed and now it's a good time to not be so into work. Yeah. But I also, uh, like I say, I now is I could kind of pick and choose perhaps um, to work who I want to work with. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, working with friends, professional friends, it's just uh, it's it's uh, uh, it's so much easier. Yes. Yeah. There's no drama and, and it's just fantastic. And, and um, I'm looking forward for that as well. Yeah. Matter of fact, there, there, there's a film now that I may end up in Saigon uh, again, hmm. um, but it's a dear friend of mine. And uh, I'm looking forward for that big time. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yes, yeah, so when you hit a certain age and you're with people you're, you're well accustomed to, I think it's a lot better. To go into it. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, because everyone's been doing this for 30 years. And yeah. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out by now, yeah, you, you want to go back to school or something. Yeah, uh, you're so funny. Daniel, I want to thank you for shedding a little bit of light into uh, into the world of AD. So uh, the, the basic summary of that is like you're basically running the show, the entire film set. Right. Uh, right. A combo of producer, director, and cinematographer for the most part. I've always seen right. that, but hearing it from you, and, and I don't think audience members really understand that. I worked on it directly and I saw what who did what, and that's exactly what you said, like almost word for word. So, uh, I mean, good on you for that. So I appreciate you um, shedding a little bit of light in, into the mystery of being an AD. Yeah, I mean, uh, was it James Cameron was calling an AD the unsung heroes because nobody knows what a first AD is. I, I went to my dentist years ago that when I was first thing, they were asking me, what do I do? And I said, I'm a first assistant director. And they're like, ah, oh, okay. Just like my dentist asked yeah. me that. And, and, and before I wised up and say, you know, a filmmaker, I said, I'm a first AD. So he, oh, okay. So you just like my assistant, right? The assistant dentist that comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what <laughs> they say. All the tools. No, 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 no. Not that kind of assistant, okay? Assistant director is, is so misleading. Yeah. Uh, you're nothing but <laughs> an assistant. You're, you're the other way around. Yeah. But collectively, with uh, all the elements that, that, that has to be put together, uh, someone's doing that. Mm -hmm. And there's still people doing this, and, and they're very good at it. Yes, they are. Um, and and it, like I say, it takes a certain personality. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a, certain, a lot of patience. Yeah. 
I mean, you got to be the friend. You got to be the professional leader. You got to be the therapist. You got to be problem solving all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And uh, you never see that. Mm-hmm. My work is the same thing as a line producer work and the first AD work. You'll never see it on screen. Yeah. Never. You only see the never. credit, but you don't see anything else. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's only for really for people who are in the business or who were in the business like myself and other people really just don't understand it. It's just another credit with somebody else doing something. But you're actually kind of like the showrunner on set. The whole time, pre and, and post right. as well. But uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And then um, yeah, and then when you get a little older, then your back goes away. And yep. Yeah. No, I want to. I want to sit and supervise now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to sit in my couch, and I'm like, I haven't been on a film set in a thousand years, and I'm good without oh, it. God. But uh, no, I I hear you, Daniel. But you've earned it. You know what? You worked really hard. You know everybody in the business, and uh, and you did it. And you've traveled to different countries, as I have. You know, my my job wasn't so rewarding like yours, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm glad you're around and and still healthy. And wealthy and wise, so oh, all of it. There you yeah. go. <laughs> On that note, we're gonna we're um, we're dropping it, and um, okay. And I will have a nice, fun, private conversation with you later, uh, Daniel. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, and I'll, I'll let you know how this goes. Sounds good. This concludes our conversation with First AD Daniel Carey. Until next time, this is Marco Kiris signing off.